Holy shit. All right. Yes. You know, it'd be really funny is if it actually doesn't start recording until, you know, like halfway through this story. <laughs> now, by saying that, we can make people think that, you know, like we're actually halfway through a story when we're not. We just started recording. Um. So what's up? <laughs> I, I just ate breakfast. I'm, I'm happy to be chatting with my buddy Lan. Um, pissing off my dog, I guess. I don't know if you heard him bark at me. Nope. You're again. Your audio is crisp to me. Can you? Uh, that's crazy. I I feel like the AirPods should be dog shit, and that's that's great. You okay? So the other two times that we recorded this, they didn't have any problems. So. Cool. Uh, yeah, I guess it's fine. I guess we might as well just address that from the from the get go because I did just say we we recorded two other podcasts. This is actually we did what? I I don't know what you're we... talking about. Oh, uh, my bad, bro. My bad. Yeah, this is actually the first time we're actually recording anything. Exactly. This is the first time. Speaking of this, I wanted to run some uh, potential podcast names by you. Okay, cool. Yeah, please do. Okay, we just get that out of the way. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, so you just you, you take them or leave them. I think they're all pretty strong contenders. All right, option one. Is that one of um, the names? Rise and Grunt. Yeah, option one. Okay, go that. You like take that? them or leave them is option one? Take them or leave them is, is option one. Option okay. option one is option two. Option one. Because we can just call it two. option one. Okay. Right? Okay. Okay. I've also got Rise and Grind Set. Rise and Grind Set. Okay. Are we trying to yeah, like this is for... encapsulate that Andrew Tate grind? Exactly. This is for like future okay. billionaires. But you're the bald one of us, so you're going to have to be the one that does the. Uh... Yeah, I'll be the Tate. And okay, you have cool, to be cool, cool. like his I just have wizard. To be like one of his... Are you cool being. He, he has a wizard. He has a wizard? Okay, so here's the thing. I, yeah, I don't know much about Andrew Tate other than like he's this, you know, grind set entrepreneur kind of guy. Well, I'm I only know one other thing. I'm pretty sure he dated uh, Michaela Peterson. Jordan Peterson's daughter? Yeah. Oh. Huh, that that actually explains small that. world, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll 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 come back to Andrew Tate talk later. Yeah, I got some more options Jordan for Peterson you too, because I got I got stories from my time. At ooh, UFC. ooh. All right, um, I, I I do want to come okay, back. So what then. what are the other options? All right, my, all right get get this mm. up to his knees, up to his knees, a Max Landis fan cast. Ooh. Ooh, you like that? Um, see, I didn't prepare any material on Max Landis, so I'm going to have to be going by you, the you seat don't need of my pants on this one. Okay. That's that's how it's done. It's okay. it's it's strong, right? It's good? I think it's pretty strong, yeah. How many other options yeah. do I have left? I need to mentally prepare myself. <laughs> Up to Are the only other one I have? A, it's got a very high bar. <laughs> I got one more. 
And I don't know if it's going to clear that bar, but my 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 third one is India versus Pakistan. Okay, yes. I like that one because neither of us Now, are unfortunately, right, that would be a small hurdle to clear. Yeah. I mean, but it's I'm got potential. used for Indian very often, so maybe I can clear that hurdle, but Well, but have I need to clear the air. What yeah, what you is your joining Islam? Oh, I'm Sri Lankan. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Islam. Thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. It sounds there's Always some good stuff in there. Yeah. They don't eat pork, right? Nope. That is haram. Okay, I'm I'm halfway there, I guess, because I don't eat I don't eat mammals. You're good with fish. I like fish. I don't eat a lot of it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that doesn't really have any bearing on whether or not you can join Islam. As far as I know. Okay, cool. So the dietary part, I'm good on. Um, I know they there's like a prayer they do five times a day. Uh, yeah, you could. You, I mean, if you're if you're really going down that that path of devotion, are you good for like Ramadan and stuff? What do I gotta do? You, you know what Ramadan is, right? I know it's like a it's a winter holiday, right? No, it happens at various points throughout the year. Um, oh, there's it, multiple Ramadans. On, well, it all again it all depends on the calendar. Uh, this is all cursory knowledge as someone who's not Muslim. Um, but yeah, you know, no eating from sunrise to sunset uh, for about a month. I Ooh, think. that I would suck at that. I think that's going to be the deal breaker. Mm, okay. I could be a white guy who converts to Islam and lies, though. I could, I could lie about not eating. I feel like that's a very untapped market. Not enough white guys doing that, you know. How many Islamic I white can't, guys do I, you know? I don't. Oh. There's a guy on Twitter who I who mm. I follow, but I don't think I've ever met a real life white Muslim. I'm sure I've seen I've, one. I've met a few. I've met a few. Um, are they cool yeah they're, they're they're cool guys you know i've only really talked to them for like three minutes max but they seem fine i feel like statistically just mm-hmm. i'm painting in broad strokes here late in life islam converts are probably much more calm and down to earth than late in life christianity converts yeah yeah yeah, I'd say so. It's funny because I watched Silence the other day, you know, the Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about that, you know, like, because the movie ends on, actually, no, you know what, I won't spoil it. But anyways, there's a whole thing about, like, Christianity and, and whatnot. I was fully expecting to go into it, thinking that, you know, like, oh, this is going to be greenwashing Christianity. But no, Scorsese does a pretty good job at it. At uh, balancing the cards, if you will. Um, Have you seen uh, Last Temptation of Christ? Yes, yes, and I think Silence similar. is a pretty good uh, companion piece, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, both I forget are pretty... where I was actually going with that train of thought. <laughs> um, yeah, converting to Christianity late in life—that I haven't actually encountered. I have never encountered. 
anyone that's well, converted to Christianity late in life. Yes. So I'm a I'm gonna give you a segue here. Um, okay. On my college campus, we mm. would get the like born again Christians, and so they would like you know proselytize at us and shout at us. Right. But I mean, those college guys are campus twenties, like right? Yeah, that's late in life to me. I mean, as, that's late I'm in saying life late in life is opposed. No, no, no. It's late in life to me, as in like you're not born into a faith. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. That changes right. A lot. Like, yeah, I've met in that case. I've met several born again Christians. Yes. Yeah, but this was your segue opportunity, and I don't, I don't want you to blow oh, it. Shit. Okay. This is on. how you you circle back to Jordan Peterson. Oh yes, yes, yes. Do I do I do I you, go now, or are you gonna? Keep yeah, your... you said you had a story about him. Let Let's oh, go. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so the thing is, Jordan Peterson is or was i think at this point um a professor at the university of toronto my alma mater and it was funny because the height of his popularity was just when i started going to uft and it was around that time that you know like there was that sort of division but then if you go to any professor at uft and you just ask them about their thoughts uh, about you know peterson they all thought the guy was just a goofball, just a real, just <laughs> a, a complete idiot. <clears throat> right, like he doesn't year. get the glowing praise that he gets from like the no, media. You, like exactly, like you think that he'd be like this very tenured professor, but I went to like a one of my English profs in first year, and I just went, "Hey, so what's the deal with this Jordan Peterson guy?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, that idiot." It's cool. I mean, it's cool that he was so candid with me, but at the same time, right, that I was rocks. Like, oh, okay, that's cool. Are you, you know, it's so weird. It was a weird experience for me, particularly because in high school, teachers are always like very uppity about not disparaging their peers. Like you could go right, to but a then in college, like, that all changes. Yeah, in college, that all changes. Everyone is like. Yeah, I fucking hate that guy. And they can be in the same department, too. And be like, yeah, that guy, worst teacher I've ever, worst professor I've ever met. But yeah, yeah cool. I, I feel think, like I think that was. Oh, no. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like there's kind of more at stake in a sense in high school because they're not getting paid as much. So, like, yeah. you know, even if you like, disrespect that teacher to a certain extent like as long as that person is an, an outright monster it's kind of like this working class solidarity like i'm not gonna fucking badmouth yeah. this guy like we're both just trying to keep a job versus in college like not that that's like really grand but there's a little yeah, more like the bourgeoisie particular but right right it's not the, it's not the bourgeoisie but like yeah college professors you don't i i don't think they're on such a thin wire the way high school teachers can be. I could be completely wrong. I mean, it depends, depending on departments. Some department, you know, heads are really anal uh, about many things. You know, like, there's so many... So much variety, I guess, in what kind of professor you can meet mood-wise. Um, but anyways, as I was saying, it was the first real, like 
turning point for me because up until that point I had heard about Peterson. I'd, you know, like I hadn't really done much research into him, I guess, but he, you know, it was around that time that Bill C16, I think it was, was uh making the rounds and I realized that since you're not Canadian, um I'm going to have to give you a, a bit of an explainer. It's just a human rights act, um basically an anti-discrimination act. Uh you know, the whole mm. mis- misgendering clause um so that was like a hot button or a hot seat uh topic at the time and around that time i think i was i don't think i was particularly ambivalent but i was more so like i'm already suffering through university i don't really have time to you know dig deep into the politics of this one jackass professor at the university but i think that moment like going to a department or a professor, I should say, um, and just having them tell me <laughs> he's that much of a guru. <laughs> I think that was like the real turning point. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should actually look into this guy's politics some more. And I think that's when the whole like image of him <laughs> fell apart. Yeah. But yeah. Well, you know, if you like. Or no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say, it's really interesting five years later just to see, you know, like him post-benzo, post-meat diet, you know. Dude, like, I saw this, I saw this clip going around on Twitter of, like, his actual classes, and, like, my guy is flying. (laughs) They're mental. (laughs) I... (laughs) The first thing I did after after that, I went because you know, like obviously professors have their recordings up on their sites and whatnot. So I'm like, oh, I could probably find a you know a lecture um, recording uh, for one of Peterson's classes, and I and I did. I went and I looked, and it was I think it was a class, a fourth year psych class because he's a psych prof, um, and it was just him rambling about Solzhenitsyn for like. 40 minutes and it was the most deranged shit i just ever seen he was ranting about what uh solzhenitsyn is that his name i don't know what that is it's the writer guy from i'm really making myself solzhenitsyn alexander solzhenitsyn uh soviet dissident outspoken critic of communism Oh, okay. So clearly, so I'm guessing Peterson's like a fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So it's just pretty much him, you know, like ranting about like Solzhenitsyn's work, um, for like forty minutes straight. I couldn't really grasp any of it because, again, I was like eighteen. <laughs> I didn't know a single thing. Yeah. About any of it. Um, but yeah, it definitely goes to show that that deranged aspect of his lectures or just like him talking has not changed yeah. over the past decade half decade <laughs> hey if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah i mean i feel like a lot of people will will run with a certain you know like shtick and his shtick is ranting like crazy about some random thing until people just give up Give up trying to fight back. Yeah. 
but yeah yeah that's peterson what a jackass so i've been fishing yeah um, i want to hear about this fishing yeah no i've just been fishing in yakuza zero i've been playing yakuza zero for the past two weeks i think um i'm about like 60 hours into the game i'm not even halfway done uh because i've been fishing a lot again the sub stories just like really really grab you um yeah and like yakuza zero is the first real game that i've played in a while since well i mean i've been playing like ace attorney games on the side but it's the first game where i've actually like sat down and been like all right I'm going to be playing this no one bother me since maybe June. This so I'm looks really incredible. I'm really reveling in in my playthrough of this game. It's a fantastic game. I think it's honestly like a 10 out of 10 game. Is it is um, it the newest one? No, no, this one came out in 2016. I want okay. To say. Yeah, 2015, 2015. So I'm pretty late to it, uh, because the first time I played it, I played two hours before realizing I was on my brother's account. So then I kind of just gave up. And I'm like, all right, I'll deal with this later. And that was like a year or two ago. So I'm finally, <laughs> finally getting back to it. But yeah, it's been great. And it really got me thinking about game criticism as well just because i've been watching uh like a whole bunch of games journalism implosions happen just from the sidelines um like fanbyte media uh pretty much gutted their entire well not entire but most of their staff i think it was a month ago uh because some shit with tencent because tencent owns fanbyte and then last week was the g4 shutdown uh, again, because of corporate fuckery. But, uh, yeah, it really got me thinking about, like, games criticism and then, by extension, comics criticism, which is a thing that I haven't thought about in so many months. Um, and then it really got me thinking more about just talking about comics in general, uh, just because I feel like that's a skill that I had that I just no longer really have or at least it it feels like a muscle that i haven't trained in so so long um yeah you'll need to like go out to the woods with like a massive stack of floppies and, oh, and yeah. tpbs well, he, and the thing is, like it's not he, that i haven't been reading either but i haven't this is probably the least i've read comics since that period of time in my life between 2012 and 2016 where I wasn't really reading comics. Like, yeah. I, for me, right now, comics reading is going into my comic shop, having them give me whatever was on my pull list, and then me going home, throwing it onto a pile, a, a very large pile, I should say, and then randomly choosing to read, like, a book or two every few days. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm in my most anti reading phase that I've been in since mid twenty sixteen. Um Yeah, I mean and, as you get older you're you're not going to be able to read as many books as you were when you were a kid. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm realizing that, but at, at the same time, I'm starting to question, like, why I'm not reading as much. Because it's not like I don't have the free time for it. You know, yeah. it's just, um, like, I... I mean, if I were to make a guess, it would... Or go ahead, make your my guess. guess. My guess would be that, you know, it's it's not so much a lack of time, but, you know, in a way, your taste evolves. And that's just what happens to everybody because you you start to kind of see like when they're they're doing the old tricks again. You know, you're like, oh, I've seen this type of story. I've seen this style of art. And so like you're really only making time for the stuff that's a little that's like going the extra mile. I mean, even then, you know, like there are some really, really good books that I've gotten over the past couple months and I've just been like oh i'll get to them but i've never actually gotten to them up until this point um and i think it's just because of a general burnout of the comics industry i would say yeah um and you know i'm gonna do the cardinal sin and mention the uh the other podcast episodes that we've uh, we've uh recorded or not recorded i should say um and I was just thinking about, like, how, you know, those action comics issues that I read, I probably wouldn't have read them for any other reason, you know, like, other yeah. than, than doing that episode. Um, I mean, I really, might have read them. I used, I used to read that title a lot. Really? Oh, I, I used to buy action it like every month. Like how long ago was this? Um that was I probably bought the last issue like four years ago, but I was doing that for like eight years. God damn, so you read through all the Jurgens and Tomasi and all that jazz? Most of it. I mean, I, I wasn't there like every single month, but mm-hmm. I, I I read most of those runs. Yeah, like I I think I started like with Cornell after Blackest Night. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably when I started. It got really uneven, which is why I like started reading it less. Yeah. Less. Like Jurgens yeah, was probably like the the brightest bright spot in those last eight years. He, I think he he got it the most. It was it was the safest one, I would say. You know, I, yeah, he's I just kind of rehashing what worked from the nineties. Yeah, pretty much. It was because it was around that time that I started, you know, getting back into reading comics, and I was just like, "Oh, this is this is definitely a Superman comic." You know, this is definitely one of the Superman comics of all time. Um, so yeah, I just went along with it. Um, well, I wasn't reading action because it was ever exceptionally good. I was reading it because I was hoping it would get good. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the reason why a lot of people read comics in general. You know, right? Not because they're. I don't think. It, <laughs> I would like to think that many people aren't reading Kate's Hulk because it's good. I think it's they're they're just <laughs> reading it because they're hoping that the story is gonna get good enough to match up to the art at some point. <laughs> I mean, if if I were to do a Twitter search right now, I could find probably. 10,000 counterexamples. This is the best story. Kate's fans scare me. I think that's the best way I could put it. Kate's fans absolutely scare me. 
Um, I I hate to sound like elitist, but I feel like a lot of these people like haven't picked up a comic before. I feel like. Do you think have. that's fair? I feel like they have. Okay. It's just that the nature of what comics they've picked up is uh, the thing that needs to be questioned. Yeah, I feel like I I don't know what it is about these people, but I'm just like. You know, there's so many other things, right? And like comics can be more than this. Yeah, but at the same time, I'd see that's the other thing. I feel like I'm at a I'm at a stage where I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, like the I'm thinking about that that tweet from uh, the comic ex, comics explain guy again. You know, the the fancy music tweet. Uh, yeah, that was Adam. so good. It's oh, we should read that I, one. Okay, let me let me get let me pull it up. Let me pull up that. <laughs> that is, it, because it's a work I, of art. It's I, I read that tweet and I'm like I thought about it and I haven't stopped thinking about it since it was posted two days ago. <laughs> um. Okay, so for the viewers at home, Robert Jefferson, otherwise known as Comics Explained, a guy whose entire career is based off of taking the plots, uh, from comics that are you know being released, summarizing them, and, you know, making videos summarizing said plots so that people don't actually have to read the comics. You knew this guy already. Oh, yeah, I know of this guy. I've never watched more than, like, a video or two before I realized how repulsed his videos made me, but (laughs) I know of this guy. Got it. Um... So yeah, that's the context of who he is. You know, like his entire career is just um, regurgitating. That's the word I was looking for. Regurgitating comic plots into the mouths of of these babies <laughs> that that purport to know about comics, uh, despite not reading them. Um, and he, on October twenty first, tweeted. I feel like the critics who gave Black Adam low scores are the kind of people who sit around drinking wine while listening to fancy music and saying that movies are art. Just a a beautiful mind, I have to say. It's so good. It's... There's so much, like, I don't... I... If I were to pick it apart, you know, I feel like that would just take a whole other hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, it, it's just such a beautiful tweet. That's the only thing I could say about it. Um, yeah. Movies aren't I mean, art. no, there is a lot of... They're yeah, not no, art. That's, yeah, that's they're the not part art. That, that, part that, that part sticks out to me, for sure. I mean, I I think what really blows me away about it is, like, the 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 part that people have been harping on for the last few years, you know, with the superhero backlash, is like, like you guys won, like yeah. this movie yeah, is gonna know. make millions of dollars. Like you're not the underdog, million. right? And like more to the point, The Rock and his producers are the ones who are gonna make all that money. Like as the fan, how are you materially benefiting? I, and and that's what I've been questioning over the, really over the past year, um, just the overall defensiveness. Not even just towards 
comic book movies, but like comics in general, you know, like, yeah. Um, again, this goes back to the whole comic criticism thing, just the sort of canonization of some works as like these, these immutable, like the, this is, this is a biblical text, you know, and the entire time they're talking about like a Grant Morrison comic from 2008. Um, right. Yeah, and I, for the, the large part of this year, I hadn't really been thinking about criticism as a whole, just because, you know, I was suffering uh, through the horrors of life, and I didn't really, really didn't get the chance to, to think about it. But now that I've actually had some downtime to really consider um, mainly the events of the past two years for me, uh, just sort of like me entering comics criticism, being burned by it, and then sort of being cast off to the side, um, or casting myself off to the side, I should say, and sort of just looking at it and, you know, like wondering what it is, what it could be. Um, I really started questioning the purpose of talking about comics at all. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't like a deep thing. This isn't like a deep thing. This is as, as shallow as me reading a comic, you know, going into yeah. a group chat and being like, hey, I read this comic, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say that the if there's a unique facet to comics fandom, it's that a lot of the people who are getting really loud in their comics criticism are the people who would rather be creating comics themselves or in a sometimes even more delusional sense they see themselves as these like time displaced successful writers so yeah. in like feel, five I to mean, ten years i'm gonna be this huge deal as a writer but for now, you guys need to see the vision and like deal with my bitchiness. It's either that or they see themselves as like a, a Templar Knight Brotherhood that needs to like protect the sacrosanctity of of comics. Yeah, you know? yeah like, that one too. We must uphold yeah. the canon. <laughs> we must. <laughs> right. We must prop up this writing and we ha we have to say that Jeff Johns is a scourge upon our land. Um, which or the opposite that the, he is like the the second coming yeah exactly and i feel like uh the former is definitely true <laughs> he is a scourge upon the land but not for the reason well yeah um yeah i i and, and also just conversations in general about comics i feel like i've gotten so cyclical over the past um year two years uh, again, like the the Ouroboros tweet that I put out a month or two ago, which is that's your hit, dude. Yeah, my biggest hit in a while. Um, you know, like when I made that tweet, I I was I was like really going through it mentally, just thinking about like the the futility of of, of just talking about comics, uh, just knowing that it's gonna yeah. go back into some shit like. I've kept my mouth shut about X-Men comics for so long just because I know I'm like, I, I'm tired. 
I don't need whatever discourse there is about X-Men comics and what they should be and what they are and what they're not, you know. It, right. It's the same conversations that were being had uh, like a year ago or two years ago. It's just that now you have Kieran Gillen in the midst of it all. <laughs> um, yeah. That being said, one of the few comics that I have been reading, because it's on my poll list and I've just been getting a bunch of them, is uh, Judgment Day, the big X-Men <clears throat> Avengers Eternals event. Um, okay. And I've actually been enjoying it quite a lot. Um, I'm sure that will that might be uh, controversial to some viewers, but, but uh, yeah, I've actually been enjoying it quite a lot, especially since I've been discussing very little of it with people. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things that, you know, like it shows up, I read it, I'm like, oh, that was nice. And then I put it down and just keep going with the rest of my day. Uh, it's been very refreshing. I think that's the best way to be reading comics right now. Uh, yeah. It's, it's weird. You know, I... There's a part of me that wants to to go back to talking about comics the way I used to, just being able to like address right. stuff. Um, even just like the YouTube channel in general, that is more a time thing than anything. But it, it's weird. The YouTube channel I left it off on a video about uh, graphic novels. Uh, yeah, uh, I've watched your it, YouTube stuff. Yeah, it's good. It, and it's funny, it's a part one video, and that part one was released uh, two years ago, and there still is no part two, so I feel like if I ever were to go back to YouTube, um, I would have to go back on part two of that video, but my outlook on comics has changed so much over the past two years that I don't know how exactly I would approach making a video about that. Yeah, I mean... The sort of big thoughts, capital B, capital T, I've I've had with like, as far as the big two stuff goes, is Marvel recently announced that they're keeping the the comics events like at a, at about five to ten years ahead of the um, the movies in terms of storylines. Which is yeah, that's what it's on seen. its surface. Or, a, yeah, it's like a nonsensical statement on its surface. But what a lot of people were pointing out, it really meant is they're basically treating the comics as like R and D. So yeah, pretty much. What yeah. I the, seeing which which ones uh, get big reactions out of uh, uh, readers, and just you know, like seeing which ones are actually popular and which ones they can adapt, like Secret Wars, for instance. Right. Uh, that's what they're so like. I know movies. Yeah, I'm really thankful in a way they just came out and said it because it like it put into words like what I'd been trying to figure out felt so weird with like the big two books and arguably even some of the image books and uh, a lot a lot of the other publishers too, which is like what is in a way a this. Is, not even so much that it's becoming a movie, but that it's sort of um, reformatting the business practice of the focus group. You know, it used to be for a focus group, mm. whether it's for a movie or any other product, 
you would get paid to go in and give your opinion, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Now you're paying. Now it's good. like, <laughs> yes, you're exactly. To go give your opinion. Right. And yeah, it's I like, mean, what you're I paying to give your opinion for is the movie they're going to make, right? It's not even necessarily a good story. It might incidentally be a good story. Sometimes, like, you're enjoying with Judgment Day. It looks like it has beautiful art. But, like, that's that's really oh, yeah, more that's incidental. That. In the their eyes, in their eyes, you know, I don't know how well it's selling, but if it is selling well, in their eyes, they're like, yeah, okay, we can do something with this. Um, right. And in in the indie sphere, because you did bring up indie comics, whenever I read an indie comic and I oh, that's good, my initial thought is like, all right, so when is this going to get optioned for a movie? When is it <laughs> yes. or, or the Netflix show? streaming? Exactly. Yeah. You know, like so many boom image, a vault, I should say, because Vault actually did get one of their sh- uh, comics optioned to be a show the other day. Yeah. So many that I'm just looking at them. I'm just thinking, all right, so when are you becoming a TV show? Right. Um, and, you know, I don't I'm not sure how much that's affected my enjoyment of these comics, you know, just like. Yeah, I think I've learned to separate it as sort of like, all right, this is just a thing that will happen. But at the same time, you know, like, I guess it's not like the writer or the artist is necessarily a part of, well, in the case of the big two, I should say, they're not necessarily a part of that process. So, you know, like I should be treating it as their interpretation, their story. Um, With indie comics, you know, it's more so like you can really tell when a story is made uh, to be adapted. Uh, Like with the the Substack stuff, you know? You're just looking at that, and I'm like, all right. Yeah, I haven't read any of that stuff. Well, you'll be glad to know that I'm in the exact same boat. I have the, <laughs> uh, the Hickman Three Worlds, Three Moons. Like They made, they released a, a source book, and I, I ended up getting the source book uh, just because uh, it just ended up in my hands. Um but anyways, I have it, and it's sitting in my closet. I have not touched it. I have not read it. Um, so, you know, I I am a bit further than you, but at the same time, I'm at the same spot as you. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, like, it's so you're, you're... It's so weird to think... There's not really a motivation, it sounds like. It It's, what, two years? One year in now? Or is it two years in? Uh, one or two, yeah. Yeah, it's like one or two years in, and I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, like, more creators are signing up, and it seems like the overall discussion around it has sort of died down a lot. And when some creators have actually, like, uh, reduced their prices, I know Chip Zdarsky reduced the price on his, uh... Substack, so it really does seem like they're either plateauing or they're, uh, you know, starting to look for other options. And I use well, so I have another theory. Go ahead. So, this is another big thought, and like Mm, the the reason they have to do that, capital B, capital T, 
the reason this why this business model will have to go this way and it i don't see it ever fully taking off is like a lot of comics readers are like really shy asocial people like they're not like they're not like freaks but they like don't know how to like organically socialize so they like going to the comic shop as a mm. means to like necessitate and facilitate human interaction and the key is yeah. they might not know that about themselves it's uh there's that one what was it clickle or the onion that was like every person at a comic shop thankful to be the only normal one there <laughs> yeah that's so good that's exactly what it is yeah and i i feel like with this the sub stacks they're they're going you know there'll be a passing interest and of course there could be overlap but that it's never going to take off with these these comics readers like abandoning comic shops like oh Substack's easier like they they need that social component and then on the flip side i don't see Substack making a substantial amount of new readers i don't see them making more than like seven new readers i will say there is a social component to it and more specifically yeah era social uh component to it um yeah these are talking points from a year ago but just like uh, writers, you know, sort of getting people to pay for access to them, just to talk to them. Um, yeah, like I know some of them. Right, that's kind of what it most has stuff. going for it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like they're exchanging the social element to being like, "Hey, you can go from. You don't need to talk to other people about this. You can talk to it. Uh, talk to me about it. You know. Uh, right. Like you can hear John, Jonathan Hickman, and Grant Morrison interview each other about like their their favorite like writer warm-up techniques woohoo it's the access yeah <laughs> no but that that's key i hadn't thought about that that's that's really important the social shift to the parasocial and that really does change the dynamic for the the reader and the culture yeah i mean it's it's weird to think about how much you know, the gap between the writer and the the reader has closed over the past decade, I'd say. Just with the advent of right. Twitter and even, you know, like this, I feel like is a step forward in some ways in that regard, just because, you know, writers are now talking to, to readers. Writers are talking to critics, you know, like you have critics that are friends with writers and I mean, there's a larger discussion there about like what the conflict of interest and the ethics of that, <laughs> just, you know, being friends with, or, you know, like at least being very good accomp, uh, accomplices, no acquaintances, sorry. Uh, with the people that are, you know, like critiquing your work. Um, you know, I'm not going to name names, but you know, some, some comic script pieces that are like very effusively praising, um, some indie creators, uh, and then you see them interacting all friendly on on Twitter, and then you know you're realizing they're following each other, and then you realize, oh, they actually talk to each other, and you're realizing, oh, you know, the writers are actually talking to the critic and telling them about their work. Um, they're the barrier basically is gone, is what I'm saying. 
And right. so I'm wondering how that's going to change with uh, Substack and whatnot. You know, just being like, when Hickman started his Substack, so many readers, but also so many critics were flocking to it just to see, you know, like, what's the process like? What is, you know, like, like you said, with him talking to Morrison, it was like, oh, what are these, what's going through their heads? And in some regards, it's cool, you know, just being able to see the, how the, uh, how the hot dog's made. But in other aspects, it really does raise some questions about, you know, like what the purpose is of, of comics criticism or just like comics discourse in general when there is that closeness to creators. And I realize the irony of saying this is that like both of us are, very well acquainted with Ramon. Um, Ramon Villalobos, uh, for the viewers at home. Uh, the outlaw of comics. Yeah. True outlaw. True. True. Outlaw I mean, when I think what you're raising is a really important question, and it, it ties back a little bit into what I was saying about, you know, critics who see themselves as writers and fans who see themselves as writers or artists, you know. Um, and I don't think that's inherently something to be looked down upon. It's pretty cool if you know you're you're trying to make a thing and make it happen. And I see something like Substack is ultimately more of an obstacle to that um, process for certain people. I see because it's democratizing that. Yeah, well, I see it almost as anti-democratizing that. Like, I think about the the sort of failed promise of YouTube. That's what it makes me think of. Like, when YouTube first came out, it was like, oh, now anyone has the means by which to distribute their their videos, publish their videos, and now now anyone can can be seen. Um, it's it's all equal opportunity. And I don't necessarily remember the early years of YouTube that well, but there certainly was no algorithm. There was a truth. There was a truthfulness to that claim. But then there, there absolutely was a shift. You know, I, I don't know the exact year, but you know, the algorithms definitely started getting beefed up. You know, circa 2010, give or take a few years. Yeah, I think then it was, it was all the, just like it was around the Arab Spring when that happened. Um, <laughs> it's funny. So I wrote a I wrote a paper about this in, in university. Like the the pipeline from oh great yeah know, like Arab Spring to you know GamerGate and Trump getting elected and even just like Reddit, um but yeah absolutely there was that shift around that I'm not blaming the Arab Spring for you know getting <laughs> right wing comment <laughs> right wing content no that's a great you know, like, like marker in time though but, so but yeah it is it is around that time because i think that was around the time that people really started using social media for more than just posting for the sake of posting it was more so like right the political aspect of it or just like the, the and business activism and the business yeah yeah, yeah the business yeah. especially that's when the business really started stepping in and making itself known within um, online spaces. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I see with Substack is you know something you know on its surface that like to use your word it's it's 
you know, ostensibly supposed to be more democratizing, but it's really just making a means for the established creators to better um, cement their status. And, you know, to their credit, a lot of these people are not rock stars. A lot of them do need, like, more additional funding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the other funny thing about Substack in general is just, like, with this exodus of these big, big creators going there, you know, you're you're left with the indie creators kind of just, you know, throwing up their hands and be like, all right, so what about us? (laughs) What do we do? Indie indie comics creation is is uh, is always in a fun state of flux, I should say. Uh, I really, really, really want to talk about, and I, it sucks that we're not editing this because otherwise I would just bleep out the name. But I mean, if I'm gone this long, so I feel like you already have a faint idea of who I might be talking about. Um. The internet's favorite soft boy, comic writer, you know, Chip Starsky's son. Hopefully that one gives it away. But anyways, just... Um, I, I might need more context, but you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll hang on for now and see if I can piece the, the pieces together. Okay, you, I feel you, like if you, you, you go through the... the if, you, if you go through recent conversations in, in the comics channel on the Bill Lobo <laughs> server... Uh, Viola was somebody, you know, you could. Okay. Funny. Anyways, indie comics is always in an interesting spot. And uh, I will say that's the one thing that I've kind of really, really, really been at the uh, edges of over the past year. Um, it's It's weird to see that Kickstarter has made it back into a relative norm, I should say after the end of last year, because I remember at the end of last year, people were getting real ready to to write it off because of, you know, their move to crypto, um, or paying with crypto, I should say. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. a year later, I don't know where that they stand on that, where anyone stands on that. You know, it seems... Well, they stand on it... They stand on it the same way any Westerner stands on any issue of moral outrage. They're angry for a week, and then on the eighth day, they just forgot. Mm. People can't stay mad about something for more than a week here. There's exceptions, but mostly in, in the Western Hemisphere, no one's angry about some online news for more than a week. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I uh when I saw the, the the latest in Jeff Johns fuckery last week. Um cuz you know, he he did some more shit. It brought Alan Moore back into the news just because you know, people were like, "Oh, you shouldn't touch Watchmen." Uh, this that, you know, and then a week later, well I mean it's been a week later now and people seem to have forgotten about that. Oh, so, Jeff Johns was the one who instigated that? Oh, no, I think he exacerbated it, because I think what started right. it was something else entirely. Because that ended up propagating right. to writers versus artists. And I think that, <laughs> that subsided, so I think we're we're headed towards our next big Portfolio Day, which is great. Yes! Yes! Portfolio Day! Finally! But, uh, yeah, uh, the Ouroboros thing... 
is funny because all the topics on that wheel never last for more than a week max. You know, like the piracy conversation, the right. Superman is boring conversation. You know, you'll probably get a few stragglers, you know, like a week later and be like, hey, I, I missed the train on this. I still want to talk. But other than that, you know, like, yeah, the attention span of the Internet is just really bad when it comes to these things. And maybe that's the reason why the Ouroboros just keeps spinning is just because <laughs> the memory is that bad. But yeah. I'm starting to think that the past hour, well, it's been almost an hour since we started, has just been the most schizophrenic, just going off of whatever comes to mind. There's no structure to it whatsoever. It feels like a Joe Rogan podcast. Well, hey, that's what you wanted, right? Is it? I don't know what I wanted. I just woke up. (laughs) I just woke up at some point last week and I was like, Hmm, maybe we really should get to this podcast thing. Because the thing is... Well, I'll put it like this. Oh, go ahead. I I was just saying, uh, every month or so, I'm reminded that the other podcast was recorded and that it's sitting in my computer occupying 8 gigabytes worth of space. uh, Unedited. And every time I, I try to open it in Audacity, I just look at audacity audacity looks back at me and i'm like i don't want to edit this i don't want (laughs) to sit for two hours and listen to my voice that's why we're not edit editing this one whatever flubs i make you can say whatever slur you want salt and it's staying in it's staying in i'm not much of a slur head but i will take that into consideration but yeah uh, you know viewers at home you know where uh you know where things stand now. Um Right, so back to last week. I woke up and I was like, alright, I've finished work on Taro Man stuff for the time being. Um well not necessarily finished, but at least I'm taking a significant break from it, uh just because the V ones are done. And I'm like, hmm, I have a lot of free time now to work on the podcast, but I don't wanna. So I thought, you know, like, why not just record a third time? And I'm like, I, I have this huge plan. I'm like, all right, we're going to record this for the third time, but we're going to release this one first, but we're still going to call it episode three, right? And then we're going to mention that this is episode three and, you know, treat it as though it's the third of a series, even though we haven't released episode one or two. And, you know, at some point when I actually do get the energy to actually edit the uh, the other one, I'll, I'll put that out as episode one, which will leave people thinking, oh, where's episode two? But the thing is, there is no episode two because we fucked up the first uh, recording. So that one just does not exist. It was I really funny, really... but then I brought that to you and then... Yeah, then, you, you know, I'm... This, this happened. I'm. I think I'm gently talking you out of taking a small problem and turning it into the most convoluted solution ever. Oh, but see, that's the beauty. It's just you know, 
the beauty is just <laughs> activating it into something so much bigger and so much more of a problem. Because again, <laughs> now that we're actually gonna, the intention is to release this one. Again, the intention yeah. is that what people are hearing now will be heard within the span of a week of recording this. So record, we're recording this on October twenty third, twenty twenty two. All right, so people will okay. be able to hear this one. And now, after they've heard this one, right, they're going to be like, "All right." So they've admitted that there are two other recordings. First off, there are not two other recordings. There's only one other recording because I fucked up the other recording. <laughs> There is another recording that exists. There is another podcast that exists. We they don't even know that this is a different one from that one. You know, like <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna live with the, after having if they've listened. First off, if they've listened this far, they now have to live with the fact that there exists this other recording from three was it three months ago now three months ago that lays in my computer unedited that they may or may not ever see. So now that's going to prompt them to, you know, message me to, you know, tweet at me and be like, where is that one? And I'm going to be like, don't worry about it. So if we record another one of these, we're yeah. that, that weight is not only on us, but on the viewer themselves. But if we keep going with this, right, if we keep this gig, this jig going, there might come a time where people just forget about the other podcast, you know, where they just forget that I have that recording. For all they know, yeah, you that know, recording might not actually exist. I could have been bluffing about that, taking up eight gigs of my uh, <laughs> my, my computer storage this entire this, time. This this telltale heart of a file sitting on. Yes, this this is the telltale heart of this podcast, and it's just sitting staring at me every single time i run out of storage on my computer i I think to myself i could just delete that i could just delete that and free up eight gigabytes worth of space on my computer which i could use for whatever and i you know what the (laughs) the best outcome would be this land the best outcome would be that when we're done recording today you 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 find a reason to to delay uploading this, uploading and this then you think about then... coming back to it, and then in like say January or whatever, you're like, okay, we're gonna do over, we're gonna try okay. again, yeah, and then we just get okay. stuck in this cycle of three months trying to redo so the first episode over and at over. At the end of the day, it's just gonna be us and whoever we bring into into this, and I think that's the that's the the next step is that we just keep bringing on more people into this there you, go. you know like we keep yeah. going on you know we record it with them we tell them oh yeah don't worry i'll get it we'll, we'll get it edited in time or you know we won't you sweet at ta- all we, we you sweet, sweet talk, talk somebody right and then eventually you can uh overcome any latin tendencies for uh self-sabotage and then i actually edit one of them or do I just not edit any yeah. of them? I mean, I feel like I, I could just see. The thing is, if we do actually make something out of this, and this isn't just a, you know, a one-off thing, we could always make that. You know how every YouTuber has their gimmick. You know, like the 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 hundredth episode special where they actually show the thing that you know they've been uh, using as a gag for the past ninety-nine episodes. 
we just do that, right. but our hundredth episode is just that. that there you recording. go. I I like that plan. Hey, I have a comic I wanted to reference that I've been reading. Go for it. Shout out to Daniel Warren Johnson's Wonder Woman Dead Earth. That is a good comic. That it's is a really good. good. It's, it's you know, it's stuck with me for a lot of reasons. Like, you know, there's there's the the sort of like joke about the 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 white guy who tries to do the anime style and like you know how well he gets it and like this dude really gets it like and he, partly oh, yeah. he gets it because he's not trying to ape anime what he gets so well is he's actually like he's really studied the manga inking techniques so he's not yeah. trying to like copy the how the faces are done general. or anything like that it's the vibes yeah yeah and it's, it's yeah. done through like actual talent and like practice with his brush yeah, I remember reading because Dead Earth was what twenty nineteen. I want to say. Oh, I thought it was more recent. I'm like so fucking oh, clued out, man. Hold on, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. No, you're you're pretty in... close. It was twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I have the first issue, and it's like that huge Prestige Plus uh format that DC did. So it's pretty much like a the size of uh i don't know it's it's very square that's all i know it's it's big yeah i've got like a hard cover it's really big and it's it really showcases just like the the brushwork just the handiwork of his art so well and i'm like because up until that point i had been such a big denier of the prestige plus format i was like all right dc is absolutely just doing this to to milk out whatever money they can out of, you know, the idiots buying black label books. And to be fair, they still are. But at the same time... Yeah, they absolutely are. You weren't wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I was not wrong. So, you know, just for the the viewers at home, let it be known, I was not wrong, but at the same time... Land vindicated. I am vindicated. I will always be vindicated. I've been so vindicated over the past two years about various (laughs) things. I, I feel so good. But anyways, Dead Earth is beyond that because it's one of the few black label books. First off, one of the few black label books that are actually good, (laughs) but also one of the few black label books (laughs) that use the format well and really take advantage of the artistic element um, of just blowing uh, comic art up to that size. Right. Uh, Same goes for like... uh, Javier Rodriguez uh, for History of the Marvel Universe. I got the Treasury Edition, which, again, another huge book. Um, I got that for, like, 50% off at some kind of sale. I think it was at a comic shop. But I got it, and, man, Rodriguez's art is just so beautiful at that size, you know. And at the same time, you know, like, the, the, the activism side of me, the... (laughs) <laughs> the you know rah rah in, indie comic side of me that part all just dissipated I'm like oh man this is <laughs> thank you Marvel for blowing it up to this side size <laughs> well I hadn't heard of this book before this um, history of the Marvel Universe I'm looking at it now it's this written is by Mark gorgeous 
it's yeah you're, you're honestly just there for, like with most marvel treasury you know treasury edition books you're really just yeah. there for the art um i mean i'm pretty much there for the art for all books these days yeah for because the, the two treasury editions i have are that and silver surfer black and silver surfer black again i'm there for trad moore's art i'm not there for kate's writing um the other treasury editions that I can think of right now <laughs> are the Ed Piscor uh, X Men books. Uh, you know that's Sweet. where it really that's where it really starts to stretch the uh, stretch the limits of you know being there for the art. Right. Um, but yeah, big art always a good idea. I think more books need to encapsulate on the idea of making you know comics that are big physically not just like story-wise but like literally big yeah no i would i would double down on that like i i would love to see a sort of arms race between publishers of who can publish the most physically large comic there was a hold on there was a one marvel book that was like the size of a human torso. Uh, they put that out a while back. Um, was that an Alex Ross book? It was an Alex Ross book. Uh, I think I have. Yes, I've seen this book in person. I have, I, really cool. I have a tweet from um, what's his face, David Uzi, I think it was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have a I have a tweet of his uh bookmarked um where he's holding that book. Um and you know, like the the focus of the the tweet is to uh showcase how big the book is, but my, my, the the reason I bookmarked it was because he took the picture next to his shelf and on his shelf there's a, there's a huge pile of Cerebus comics. Sick. So I'm just thinking about like imagine just going into someone's house. You know, like the first thing you see is the the huge ass Alex Ross comic, but then the next thing you see is this huge pile of comics written by a guy who just thinks that women aren't people. Well, I wouldn't be able to look away, man. I would, it would, I, it's, it would raise a lot of questions for wreck. me. It's a train wreck that I it's such a beautiful tweet, I, and I hope that he never finds this podcast just so that he doesn't delete the tweet, because, you know what, let me go save the tweet right now. Let me go save that picture right now. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful thing. But anyways, it is a really big book, and big books are fantastic. Oh, me, what, what else have I been reading? Um... honestly don't know what else I've been reading. It's pretty much just been whatever's on my pull list, and whatever's on my pull list either has a 50% chance of being read or going onto a pile. Uh, oh, Firepower. That uh, Robert Kirkman book that he did with Chris Samney. I know it. It's, um, it's like Iron Fist, if Iron Fist was slightly less 
problematic. <laughs> so instead of a instead of a a white guy doing a pilgrimage to a, an Asian country and getting this, you know, insane power, it's actually a an Asian guy adopted by white people doing this pilgrimage <laughs> to an Asian country and getting the the flaming fist power. Um, and again, the art is what I, why I'm there. Chris Amney's art is just yes. beautiful. Um, yeah, I was most familiar with Samney from his uh, Daredevil work. Daredevil, he, yeah. He's, he killed it on there. He's, he's, he's only gotten better. This, this rocks. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so fluid. And just like some of the framing techniques he uses as well. Uh, it's just so fantastic. Yeah. But the thing is, like, there's such quick reads that I'm wondering why it's even on my pull list. Why I'm not just like waiting for it to come out as a trade paperback. So maybe after this arc, I'll just stop pulling it and just get the trade paperbacks instead. Because every time I I pick up an issue, I'm like, oh man, this is great. This art's great. It's fantastic. And then like two minutes later, I'm already done reading the issue. Just because it's so That's right, light, I heard of it. it's so light on actual plot. So right. if anyone, if anyone's looking for a pure, I'm just there for the vibes comic. That's what that comic is. It's one of oh, I found it. I found the picture. Thank God. Sorry, this retweeted whole thing, the, the entire. I can't. There's only one quote quote tweet on it. <laughs> I don't. And you gotta and, and DM it is, to me. And this, uh, I'll, I'll, I will DM it to you. But um, I'll just post it in the channel. Excellent. <laughs> I, yeah. There's no retweets, and it's from a year ago. So I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, yeah, the past five minutes were just me stalling until I found that image. So now that I'm not, <laughs> it's, it's, you know. You know, like the the book oh, man, is crazy, really is you know. And then and then you're yeah. And then you just look to the right, like the immediate right, and it's just Cerebus. <laughs> and then underneath that is American Vampire. I don't know. Isn't that Snyder? That's all I know. That's Snyder. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that was like it's yeah. a fine book, but it's just funny to see that in the crosshairs of Cerebus, Kirby's Eternals. And then Bone? Oh, shit, Bone's there. I didn't even notice Bone the first time just because I was so enamored by how much Cerebus this guy owns. Uh, shit, man. Where do I even go from this? I, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, like, really clued into the vibes of this picture, I think I'm more distressed about how nearly every single cabinet door is open. It's like freaking me out. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, and there's like a drawer open too. <laughs> this is this is. I mean, no offense to Uzi. I I think he's a swell, dandy guy. I'm sure, but this is like one of the most unsettling picks I've ever seen, and it's not even because he's in it. No, it's, it's everything else. He's, it. he's like the he's like the most yeah. normal part of this picture. Yeah. Everything yeah, else about it is vibing with so, his comics, but it's so deranged. Just the assortment <laughs> of comics and the random like, what is that? A jug, a kettle on on a shelf on top I, of comics? Yeah, 
Yeah, also distressing. Um, I, okay, now I need to say something nice because I don't want to shit on the guy. And she's a perfectly nice guy. I really like his red and black bookshelves. Those, those are cool. Like that. Those yeah, are really I think cool. That's, that's another element. That's sick. That's, it definitely adds a lot of uh, visual diversity. But also yeah. the book itself is cool. The Eternals book, like the, the torso-sized book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had some of the original printings of it because, you know, you can get those for like, I mean, this was 10 years ago, but oh, at the yeah. time you could buy an issue of Eternals for like seven bucks, like Kirby Eternals. Mm. I don't know if it's still that cheap. No, it definitely isn't, especially not after the movie. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, well, at the time, like I bought like, I don't know, five issues or something because it was like less than $40. I'm like, that's, that's, that's good. That's a good bunch of Kirby art. And, like, frankly, at the time, that was way more worth it than buying the trades because when they when they reprint that old Marvel newsprint, like, something in that coloring process it gets so fucked up. Like, uh, for the, uh, what was on that, the on, collections? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, whether it's um, an old, whether it's Kirby, Ditko, Romita, like, anyone from that, that era, like, the, the the books hold up and the coloring and the separating looks really nice but when they reprint it like it's got this weird like re oh yeah that colored it, computerized so, look there's actually a reason for that and um yeah Jose Villa, Villa Rubia, i think it was uh did a whole like uh thread about it and it's a very yeah wasn't thread. he talking about how like how the color like the actual ink like how it reacts with the the newsprint, the newsprint yeah, paper to like yeah. account for the tint of the newsprint that they had to like really yes. oversaturate uh all of their colors but then you know like when they reprinted it they're just using the values that they used way back when without actually considering uh the difference in what it was being printed on Right, Which and then it's hyper-saturated, and it looks, like, yeah. so strange. It looks, it reminds me of, like, the um, the safety comic strip you get on an airplane about, like, how to mm. put your mask on. Like, it, it has that vibe, like, just how fucking weird it looks. But, yeah, you used to be able to get those, those Kirby books. They're cheap. Yeah. All right, all right, I'm, I'm going to shift gears. I got something for you here. You ready? Okay, give me some. All right, I I got a couple um, more podcast name ideas for you. Oh, perfect! Go for it. Okay, all right. So uh, this is um, <clears throat> midnight grappler animals. Mid is midnight one word, like midnight? yeah, midnight grappler, like grappling okay. animals. You animals. like that one? Midnight grappling animals. Grappler. Grappler. Yeah. Grappler, okay. Midnight Grappler Animals. You like that? That That's really good for SEO, I'll say. Um, yeah. Let me Google well, it. Right I'll, now, I'll tell you now, this is all from like a... <clears throat> I really like those um, anime title generators, and that's, that's where mm. this is from. And so I got a couple more that I thought were really good. Um, Gladiator's Romance. Gladiator's Romance. But that feels like something that feels like it could be misconstrued as like you know like one of those like dudes who are really into roman 
the Roman Empire, but like in a really weird way. Yeah, it's got that white supremacist yeah, vibe, right? That, yeah, I was trying not to say that, but yeah, <laughs> it's got that vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was one or two more in here that I thought were were pretty good. Um, what about Ghost Rogue Spirit Bullet? Ghost Rogue Spirit. That feels like uh, an RPG from like 2012 or a jrpg i should specify from 2012 right um and i don't know if that's exactly my vibe uh jrpgs in general um so i think that's that one's definitely gonna have to be a no from me yeah all right so it looks like we're we're leaning into midnight grappler animals Midnight Grappler Animals is really good. It really represents the frenetic and just <laughs> overall just scattered vibe of this podcast. Um, Great. And, you know, I am something of an animal at midnight myself. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, cool, man. Um, I got to I, gotta... I leave in like... I got a few more minutes, but I, I got to leave in like the next 10 minutes. Tops. All right. So we got to, we got to start wrapping this up. We got to start thinking about like our closing thoughts. Well, um, I'll say I, I went in with a couple of ideas I wanted to float and I did, but I was uh, surprised by the sort of depth we discovered to this like Substack question and like, fandom consumption question that gave me some new ideas on my end i just hope that any of the thoughts that i've had over the past hour and some are coherent (laughs) upon re-listening to because i know for a fact that i am not going to listen to this uh, after it comes out or sorry when it comes out um so if you've listened this far uh dear viewer Thank you for putting up with the past hour and some of this. I have no idea. Well, you know who the hmm? you know who the dear viewer is, right? Uh, 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 taxpayers. <laughs> yes, but uh, specifically, I'd say uh, the person most excited to listen to this would be J-Pop. Shout out J-Pop. Oh, oh shout out J-Pop. Man, see, that's the other J-Pop thing. J-Pop has to get the shout-out on the comics podcast. This is true. J-Pop has to get an absolute goat, you know, I have to say, when it comes to podcast retrieval. Um, yeah. And we don't have to delve deeper into that for, for legal reasons. No, he just tells you, like, oh, there's a podcast I really like. Here's their Patreon. You should subscribe to that. Like, here's the link. He's really good about that. Yeah. Just the link, though. He doesn't actually provide us with files or anything like that. You know, the, again, I was uh, thinking about the uh, shout-out segment of the uh, the first and the second recording. Yeah. And I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, that, that is a pretty good gag, but, you know... I don't know how many of those shoutouts would actually be pertinent. Again, like if we do release that in like a year or two's time, it would be really funny to see how many of those have aged. 
well or poorly at all. Um, Everything I say ages well, so that, that that's fine. That's true, and I have historically no, been known to uh, be vindicated. Uh, right, so you, you put that together, and this is what we're creating, a new Timeless Classics. Yeah. Uh, see, I hope that by releasing this one, this, do- this doesn't uh, spur any more questions about uh, the previous podcast. Uh, even though I said like half an hour ago that that's exactly what I wanted, uh, just because uh, it would be weird uh, to have a podcast with three people. Oh, sorry, this is the part where I mentioned that the other podcast had three people in it, and not just two. The Catholic guilt you have about this is incredible, man. This I... this is your telltale heart. This is absolutely my. If I was if I was Daredevil, if I was Daredevil, this would be my <laughs> my uh my Karen Page, if you will. <laughs> you know, this is my 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 Electra. Can't forget it. Haunted. Yeah. You know, every 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 month or so, when J Pop you know replies to me on Twitter and asks me about the podcast, I that night I just go to sleep, just sweating, <laughs> just absolutely sweating like, all right <laughs> hearing the like the screams of the city thinking of all your failure i'm just thinking about like just recaps from uh from from that podcast i'll just i'll hear like clips from it in my sleep and i'll be like oh god jesus christ you know and i'm like oh god that bit wasn't actually funny so yeah, that is well. Definitely... You know, that's the key is don't don't try to be funny, and you might you might say one or two funny things, and then you're doing it. That's exactly that. why I decided not to be funny at all for this one. Yeah, that was good. Um, well, there's there's your other two uh, title ideas. Uh, if I was Daredevil or uh, My Telltale Heart, that I think My Telltale Heart has probably been used yeah. at least three times. I I disagree. I think we'll stick to Midnight Grappler Animals. All right, Midnight Grappler Animals. Yeah, uh, we'll do this again when I feel when I feel like it. I'll just give you the recording so you can post them. If you do post them, Um, if you do send it to me, if I do send it to you, if my computer has enough space to actually handle the recording of this um yeah yeah and then we'll be back whenever this will be the funniest thing is we haven't until now because i'm mentioning it now we haven't mentioned the flex mex flintayo podcast which is originally what the original recording was supposed to be a spinoff of um once again i'm showing my hand because of all the catholic guilt about this podcast um (laughs) but if you haven't already, you should go check out Mex Fantayo, uh, because we're not a spinoff of that podcast anymore. No, it's a better podcast. Oh. Okay, I think we got to end it there after that. I. You you can cut that part. Maybe that that's what no we'll no drive no you no no edits no edits. Maybe that was <laughs> no your, that was your that was your all from the soul. That was my slur. That was your slur. All right. Well, I don't. I don't mean to put down your uh, your dedication to this. I I I want to say, Lan, 
thank you for calling me up today. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. You had a lot yeah, of in, insightful. You up with my my thoughts. No, it was truly a pleasure. I, I I'm really glad to share this time with you, and I I really I I'm genuinely saying like I if someone was like, hey, I want to talk to you about comics criticism, like I would like run away. I would not want to have okay. that conversation. But with with you, it's like, oh, I think this guy, this dude actually has something like cool to say here. So that's like actually pleasurable for me. Okay, I'll I'll be corny and say I needed this. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. That's a good spot to end the. There we go. Podcast on. Sick. All right, land. Well, I'm gonna bounce, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and get some good more fishing happening. Yes, yes, yes. Now, how do I leave? Yeah, how do I leave? This is, <laughs> this I, is I, there was this picture of Uzi, and I like I didn't know how to exit it. Do, do I? Let me try typing slash leave. This is the great thing about this being unedited. Oh wait, okay. I'm gonna hit disconnect. Adios, okay, amigo. I'm gonna hit disconnected. Oh shit, it's just me. Okay. Bye.